Last week we looked at part one of a message simply entitled, How. How can we be a person after God's own heart? How, how can we be a person that lives above reproach? How can we be a person that gets the leaven out? How can we be a person not spotted, not defiled by the things of the world? How can we be that person that God himself, you understand, that's the key right here. It's not what the world thinks. It's not what people think. How can we be a person that God himself would look down and say, that is a man after mine own heart? Now, I know we can because David did. Every one of us, well, practically everyone, most of the hands that I saw, we raised our hands in here last week, and I believe you would again this week. They said, how many of you want to live a life pleasing to God? How many of you want to be the kind of person that God himself could look at our life and say, hey, I just want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be that person that God could look. And nearly everybody in this place, if not everybody, raised our hand. The truth is we can be. The truth is we can be because David, David is a man born in the flesh just like you and I. We'll, we'll review that again in a minute. But, but if David could be, then we can be. We, we saw last week the sin, the failure, the stuff that's there. So if David can be classified as that, we can be, but how? Well, no, number one, we, we've got to take this book. And we've got to read this book. Because God gave us this book, and, and here's, here's what the world don't want to hear today. Here's why people aren't in church this morning. Here's why people will turn you off. But because the world wants to take this book and change it to fit their life so they feel good about themselves. But this book was not written to be changed to fit your life. This book was written for your life to be changed to fit this book. And, and if we take and we read this book, then our life can be changed into a life that is pleasing. Vincent Van Gogh said, I'm still far from being what I want to be. Anybody say amen right there? And anybody agree with, with, with this quote? I am still far from being what I want to be. But, but you got to love that word. That means that ain't the end of the story. There's another page, Paul Harvey saying, now the rest of the story. With God's help, I will succeed. If you want to turn there in your Bibles this morning, Proverbs chapter 4. Let's look at a text real quick this morning. I want to begin reading in verse number 18. It says, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, now he's talking to you and I. Don't, don't worry. I told you before, don't worry about my son if you're a female. That's the same thing as me being the bride of Christ. I know it sounds a little weird, but it's all good. As a child of God, he's talking to you right here. He says, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Verse number 23 says, Keep thine heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a forward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on. Let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Father God, thank you so much. For your sweet, holy presence in this place, God. Thank you, Father, for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for mercy that never ends, God. Thank you for a love that we can't comprehend. Thank you for grace that continues to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that there be not room enough to receive it, God. Thank you for the countless many wonderful 
undeserved blessings that you're freely poured out onto us, God. Thank you, Father, for being here this morning with us, God. Thank you for that we can be together as the family of God, the children of God, we your people. Father, I pray your sweet Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us in this place this morning. God, may you start with me, Father. Lord, forgive me of any, anything, God, that would hinder you from using me this morning. Anything that would hinder your presence in my life, Father. I pray, God, you'd speak to me that you might speak through me, Father, to these your people. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be accomplished. Lord, I pray you do what only you could do. May your Holy Spirit speak to every individual this place. Meet each one in each place where they come this morning. Everybody has a different problem, a different care, a different worry, a different trial, a different situation. And you're Lord of all. God, I pray you'd help us most of all to be pleasing to you this morning. We love you, Father. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. So I'm not going to camp out here on this passage in Proverbs this morning. That's just a passage God gave me, kind of a little bit of a set going forward as how to live a life pleasing to God. I do want to underline part of the passage because I truly believe this is a direction on how someone is to live if we're going to be that person after God's own heart. Just a quick review beginning verse number three. He said, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of here are the issues of life. Simply put, what you put in is what you're going to get out. Garbage in, garbage out. Filth in, filth out. What you put into your heart is what you can expect out of your life. Everybody still with me? Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look look right on let thine eyelids look straight before thee ponder the path of thy feet let all thy ways be established that means before you do something spend some time with the holy spirit and make sure it's the right way to go but before you take that path make sure it's the path that god wants you to go because if that's the path god wants you to go it doesn't matter that it's narrow it doesn't matter if it looks dark it doesn't matter if it looks scary it doesn't matter if it looks hazardous if that's the path as tim talked about and the song talked about if god goes before you and around you and beside you and within you then god will take that path and god is the light that will light the path into your feet you don't need to see the whole path you just need enough light to see the next step and by faith you take the step because god will move the sticks that the devil puts there god will remove the snares and the traps that the devil puts there god will dry up the wet places that the devil puts there god will move the enemy that the devil stands before you if we just ponder the path of our feet and ask god is this the way to go and go the way that god instructs always every time ponder the path of thy feet let all thy ways be established turn not to the right hand nor to the left remove thy foot from evil that there in verse number 24 he uses the word froward he says, keep thine heart with all diligence, for I your heart. Put away from thee the froward mouth. That word froward, it comes from a word right there. It means to be turned or looking from. It means that perverse, that is, turning from with aversion or reluctance. Not willing to yield or to comply with that which is required. Unyielding, ungovernable, disobedient peevish as a froward child the word perverse goes on it means literally to be turned aside to be distorted from right to distort from the truth obstinate in the wrong disposed to be contrary john gill's exposition of the bible he says put away from the froward mouth this is his um, quote on it if you will he says a mouth speaking forward and perverse things contrary to right reason to the law of god and the gospel of christ blasphemies against God or men, everything that is untrue, unchaste, unjust, 
foolish and filthy, all swearing, lying, and everything that is repugnant to the truth and to justice. Some understand it of men that are liars, blasphemers, froward persons who are to be shunned and avoided, to be debarred the houses and society of good men. What, what God has given us here in these Proverbs is instructions on, on how to be a man after God's own heart. How to live a life that is above reproach. How that God might look down on you and I as children of God and be pleased with our life. Now, last week we looked at David. David is the only person in the Scriptures that the Word of God says that he's a man after God's own heart. But what we looked at last week was sin. We looked at David last week, the man that God says after his own heart. We looked at adultery. We, we looked at murder. We, we simply looked at, at sin. We, we saw how he murdered Uriah trying to cover it up. And not just Uriah, but many others murdered around him trying to cover it up. And, and we saw that David thought he got away with it. But what we also saw was a picture of the mercy of our God. Because even though David had to get caught red-handed, there's a difference between confession and getting caught. Anybody know what I'm talking about? David didn't come up and confess. He got caught <clears throat> red-handed. <clears throat> and even in the midst of being caught red-handed, when he said, God, it was me. I sinned. I blew it. And he said, forgive me. God said, it is enough. Your sins are forgiven. You'll surely not die. Remember, that was his own judgment passed upon himself, that that man shall surely die, right? God, God said, it, it is enough. So we, we looked at the fact that the first thing we have to do to be someone after God's own heart is to be different. So the first thing we have to do is some confession. The first thing we have to do is clean some things up. The first thing we have to do before we can go anywhere else is get some stuff out of our lives that doesn't belong. But, but we looked at the fact that we have to be different. We looked at the fact that we are to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We're, we're not to be like the world and we're not to be like we were. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're not what we used to be. We may not be there yet. We may not be what we're going to be. But praise God, we're not what we were. So, so the deal is that we're not to be like the world. We're to be different. We're, we're, we're to be a person after God's own heart. We, we've got to be not like anything in this world. Our desire has to be like Christ. As a Christian, it is Christ-like. Our desire has to be to try to live above reproach. Our desire has to be to not want to use bad language, to not use inappropriate things, to not say inappropriate stuff, to not be a person of hatred or bitterness or, or anger. We're, we're, we're to try our best to be that person. Our desire has to at least that we want to be like Christ. Why, if we're going to be a man or a person after God's own heart, why do we have to be different? Well, number one, because God said so. That's simple enough. Come out from among them and be ye separate. But the, the reason we're to be different is because God is different. God, God said, my ways are not your ways. My, my ways are higher than your ways. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. He said, my thoughts are, are higher than, than your thoughts. But God also said that before I formed thee in the belly, before you were ever conceived in the womb, before your mom and dad ever even knew there was going to be a you, I knew you. And I had a plan for you. Not had past tense, I have. I had a plan before you ever got here. And just because you've gotten astray, the plan hasn't changed. You just got to get back to the path. God, God says, I have a plan for you. And here he says, I have plans to prosper you. 
He, he says, not of evil, but to give you an expected end. God knew you had a plan for your life before you were ever born. Rick Warren said, you were made by God and for God. Now, that's not the end of the statement yet, but I want to make sure you understand this part right here. You were made by God and for God. You see that? Until you understand that, life will never make sense. You weren't created for you. You were created by God, for God, to serve God, to be pleasing to God, and in that, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek God first, and the world will come what God wants you to have. Well, I don't have time to get off and preach right there. We'll just try to... Exodus chapter 3, God called Moses out of the burning bush. He, he has commanded Moses to, to go to Egypt to face the Pharaoh that God might set his people free. And Moses argued his point just like you and I. Who, me? You want me to what? Go to who? Me? God, I know you're perfect and all like that, but you, you got some wires crossed somewhere. Me? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You want me to do what? <laughs> you, 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 want, you want me to teach Sunday school? You what? God, I don't even know how to find half the books in the Bible. You want me to what? Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, Moses did too. Mo Moses like, you, you want me to do what? But here's the deal. Moses in the same spot that every one of us has ever been called to do anything. You've been called to a ministry. You've been called to teach. You've been called to preach. You've been called to sing. I believe every one of us has been in the exact same boat. You want me to do what? You can stay no all you want to, but you ain't never going to get a good night's sleep till you give in because God ain't going to give up. God says, I have a plan. And God can wake you up because he don't ever sleep. Anybody know that? He, he, don't, he don't ever sleep or slumber. He's always there. And he knows you need rest. So he'll let you lay down. But about 3 o'clock, he'll say, that's enough, boy. Get up. We got to talk. And he'll do it night after night after night. Get up. Time to talk. And eventually, he'll say, God, whatever you want me to do, just please, God, let me sleep past 3 o'clock in the morning. And, and so, so Moses learned what we learned, that, that he's got to go. And he says, okay, okay, God, okay, okay. I hear what you're saying. You want me to go. So, so what do you want me to tell him? What do you want me to tell them? Who, who, who sent me? He said, when I come to the children of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, they shall say unto me, what is his name? <laughs> what do I say to him? What's his name? What's your name? God said, <laughs> I am that I am. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. God said in one Simple sentence, not to Moses. If he said this to Moses, he did not record it in the word of God. That means he said this to you. I am that I am. I am yesterday. I am today. I am forever. I am the creator of the universe who was. Who is, who is to come. I am he who has no beginning and has no end. I am the creator of everything. I am way. I am truth. I am life. I, I am both your creator and I am your redemption. I am light. I am 
healing. I am your protection so that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I am joy. I am happiness. I am forgiveness. I am life. I am peace. I am grace. I am mercy. I am your healer. I am your provider. I am your sufficiency. I am your redeemer. I am your strength. I, I am your sustainer. I am your hope. I am your dreams. I am love. I am courage. I am the way when there seems to be no way out of wherever you are. I am the solution to when there seems to be no answer. I am whatever you hope for, whatever you need, whatever you seek, whatever you look for, whatever you desire, I am. That's who he said he is. That means no matter what you're facing, he is. No matter what you need, he is. No matter what, what you need for him to show up and do in your life, that's who God is. He says, he says, I am. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3 said, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for who? Me. For you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season. Y'all ready? Here it comes. He sang about fire. He sang about try my life by fire. Can I tell you, that's a dangerous song to sing. That's kind of like praying David's prayer. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way found in me. Try me by fire. I want to burn for you. Good night. What a dangerous song to sing if you don't truly want to live your life pleasing to God. Greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, <laughs> that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than that of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Let, let me put that down, the, 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 the bolt of it. That the trial of your faith might be found under praise and honor and glory. The trial of your faith, the thing that you went through, the trial of your life, might be found to give praise to God, whom having not seen, you love. And whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. We are to be different because God is different. We are children of I am. Our Father is I am. Our Father is the one who can meet every need of everybody. We're to be different because God is love. And if we're going to be like Christ, and we're going to be different, then we have to be a people of a great love. See, all of us love the things that are easy. It doesn't require much effort to love the things that we love, right? I mean, we love our families. We love our hobbies. Coffee and donuts. Christmas tree cake. Birthday cake. Chocolate chip cookies. Mason made me some cookies this morning. I don't usually eat for church, but I had to eat a cookie this morning. Baked me some cookies. Y'all on time. We, we love the things that we love, right? Kind of like Dale was talking about. Some things we, we didn't know we loved them until we tried them. A baby didn't know he liked ice cream until the first time you touched it to his tongue. A lot of things we don't know that we try. So it's easy to love the things that, that we love. But, but if, if we're going to be different, we have to love the enemy. We have to love the one 
who hates us. The, the one, pray for those who, who persecute us and speak all manner of evil. We have to love in the face of disagreement. We, we have to love in the face of rejection. We need the kind of love that our Father has. I am has a kind of love that is without conditions. It, it is without fear. It is without qualifications. It truly is a love that has no boundaries. Because if it had boundaries, it couldn't love somebody like me. So he has a love that has, has no boundaries. It's the kind of love that doesn't make sense. How could you love somebody like me? You see all the things I've done in my life. You know all the stuff. You see all the wickedness yet. Mercy says forgiven. Grace says here's your gift anyway. How do you have that, that kind of love? It, we put God first. God said, love God first and then love others as ourselves. Love is the centerpiece of a person who truly is after God's own heart. God made Saul's future known to him. After that, Saul hated David, did everything he could to try to, try to kill him. He took soldiers out looking for him. And, you know, he, the Bible tells he's just a ruddy little boy. And, and he hates him so bad that he carries this. This whole army out to try to kill him. But God protected David. And he not only protected David, but he gave David multiple opportunities to kill the man who was trying to kill him. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 1. It came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told of him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel. 3,000 of the best most well-trained soldiers of all of Israel. And he went out to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. He came to the sheep coats by the way. There was a cave and Saul went in to cover his feet. David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. God put him in the cave to sleep where David was. And he lays and he goes to sleep. It says that, verse number 4, the, the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. It came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he'd cut off Saul's skirt. He said unto the men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. Saul's got 3,000 trained soldiers on a mission to kill David. And all David did was cut the tail of his coat off. And David's heart is broken because he did something to one of God's children. Verse chapter 26, still 1 Samuel, verse 6. <clears throat> David said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Zeruiah, the brother of Joab, saying, Who shall go down with me to Saul to the camp? Abishai said, I'll go down with thee. So David and Abishai came to the people by night. Behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. And then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thy hands this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once. Now I will not smite him a second time. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not. For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? <laughs> David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. On this day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. But I pray thee, take now the spear that is at his bolster and the cruise of water and let us go. David had a love that loved even his enemies. But it was because he had such a great love of God first. 
Luke chapter 10. I, I know we sang for a while, we worshiped for a while, and it's 12 o'clock. I'm going to go ahead and tell you if that bothers you, if you got to go, that, that, that's okay. But I ain't going nowhere till I finish this. And it's going to take me a minute. It's going to take me a minute because I truly want to know. I truly want to know, God, how can I be somebody after your own heart? I truly want to know how, how, how could you look at me as that kind of person. Luke chapter 10, Jesus told us a story. He said there's a man traveling from Jerusalem down to Judea, and it says that he fell upon thieves. They robbed him. They beat him up. They took everything they had and, that he had, including his clothes. They beat him up. They left him naked, nearly dead. Jesus said a priest came along. The priests would have been over the synagogue. They would have been the religious leaders of the day, the religious elite. The priest came along and saw this man beaten up, naked, left nearly dead, and he turns his nose up at him. He won't have anything to do with him because he's, he's just a common man. He's, he's not, and he leaves him there in his blood and his pain and his suffering and his brokenness. Jesus said not long after that, a Levite came along. Can I tell you, the priests and the Levites are the religious elite. They are the who's who of the church. He come by and saw him. He had the same response. He left him there. Jesus said both the priest and the Levite left him there. They did nothing to help this man. But he said a Samaritan came by. And the reason that's a big deal, the reason Jesus would use a Samaritan is because the priest hates the Samaritan. Lord, I thought he was a religious elite. Yes, religious, key word. They, they, the Levite, the Jews, they, they can't stand the Samaritans. These guys are like common dogs. They won't have anything to do with them. So this, this Samaritan, this low life to the priest, this low life to the Jews comes by. And he saw him there. And Jesus said that he went down to him, bound up his wounds, pouring oil in and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and he gave them to the host and said to him, take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I'll repay thee. See, anybody can love when, when it's easy to love. But, but to be a person after God's own heart, we have to have a love that is unconditional. There is a huge difference between being religious and being spiritual. Uh-oh, you done gone to meddling on a Sunday morning. Anybody can get dressed up, make yourself look holy, and come to church and be religious on Sunday morning. Anybody can post religious-looking stuff. Anybody can be like the priest and the Levite. Anybody can try to make themselves look religious. But there is a big difference. Coming to church and being religious does not make us spiritual. Here's, here's the danger. Here's the danger. I, I wrote it down. Y'all mind if I read it to you? Sometimes God gives me stuff and it cuts me, so I just write it down so I can share it with you. Y'all good with that? It's not that we'll become bad people who don't care about things that matters. But we'll become good people who don't do anything that matters. Do I need to read it again or y'all get that? I know it's late. Y'all just go back and watch it on live stream. It'll, it'll, it'll be recorded. Charles Studd said, we have one life. It'll soon be past. What we do for God is all that will last. God is love. And if we're going to be a person after God's own heart, then we've got to be a people of love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says that we have known and believed the love of God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made in perfect love. Verse number 19, we love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. 
I, I didn't say that. God said that. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Remember last week we started there in 1 Samuel chapter 13 where God sent Samuel the prophet to, to Saul and he had him removed as king of Israel, told him he was going to remove him and that he was going to put David there. Saul became this man of pride. He became this man of arrogance, which led him to being a man of disobedience. What is it that makes David different? So the first thing we saw was confession. Last week I said, when I mentioned the name David, what's one of the first things that comes to your mind? And Andrew said, Goliath. See, I said Bathsheba. I, I, I said Uriah. I, I said sin. I, I said murder. Andrew said conqueror. Andrew said one who follows God. Andrew said one who put his absolute trust in God even when it seemed impossible. Here's the truth. Both answers are right. I like his a whole lot better. But they're both right. They're completely opposite, and they're about the same man. So what Andrew says is our next step. If we're going to be a man after God's own heart, we want to be different. Number one, number one was there to be different. Number two is that we have to be a person of great love. Jesus said, I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. Jesus Christ himself said that, Luke chapter 6. But number three, if we're going to be a man after God's own heart, then like David, we've got to be a person of great faith. Faith is an absolute necessity if we're going to be someone after God's own heart. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, by definition, is belief without any other proof. It is the ascent of the mind to the truth of what was declared by another, resting on his authority without any other evidence. I read this quote to you before by D. Elton Trueblood. Faith is not belief without proof. It's trust without reservation. Oswald Chambers said, faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. David was a man of faith. Yeah, he killed the bear and he killed the lion with, with the sling, but, but he took on Goliath, this, this Philistine giant. When, when it appeared that there was no man alive that, that could stand against him, but, but this little run of a boy took him on and is victorious, but here's why. David's faith faith that made him different first samuel chapter 17 david goes out in the field he goes out to battle the giant the bible says he stopped by the brook he picked up five smooth stones he put them in his little pouch and he goes out you remember when we first met david uh, there at jesse's house that the bible called him a ruddy boy he's just a ruddy little boy and and, and so what we see in verse number 42 the philistine looked about and saw david he he disdained him see when goliath looked on david he's ticked off He's mad out of all Israel. You send this little run out to do battle with me? I am the champion here, and you send this little boy out? He disdained him, for, for he was but a youth, ruddy and a fair countenance. He said, he's just a pretty little boy. You send him out to do battle with me, a great warrior? And the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that thou comest to me with staff? The Philistine cursed David, and here's the key to his statement. Here, here is Goliath's problem. He cursed David by his little g gods, the false gods of the Philistines. 
Verse number 44, the Philistine said to David, Come unto me, and I'll give thy flesh into the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. David said, Is that so? I got something to say to you too, big boy. And it ain't got nothing to do with me. But you're fixing to meet the God of Israel. You're fixing to meet I am. And David said to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield, but I come unto thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. The God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day, the Lord delivered thee into mine hand. I will smite thee. I'll take thine head from thee. Give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. All this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For somebody needs to hear this right here. For the battle is the Lord's. Somebody in here this morning, you need to camp out on that. You need to underline. You need to go to 1 Samuel 17, 47. You need to write it down. You need to read this whole story. And you need to take into comprehension what's happening right here. The battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. Came to pass, and the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David. That David hasted and ran toward the enemy to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it, smote the Philistine in his forehead that sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath of and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. David gave a proclamation of victory, and he gave all credit to God before he ever reached into his stone. Too many times we go to battle, and after we're coming back licking our wounds, now we want to start praising God. Now we want to start seeking God. David put God first because David had a, a giant killing faith. He had an enemy-defeating faith. He had, some, somebody's going to need this one. He had a calm in the midst of the storm faith. He had a victory over the trials faith. He had a way out of no way kind of faith. See, if we desire to be someone after God's own heart, not only are we to be different from the world, but we must be a people of great faith. Because faith believes when the world says it's impossible. Faith, faith believes when the enemy is whispering in our ear, just give up. Just give up. Just give in. You have no way out of this. You know you can't fix this. When, when faith holds on, when there seems to be no reason to hold on, when the enemy whispers, what see, faith believes when nobody else believes. It doesn't matter what the world around you thinks. It doesn't matter even within our own simplistic mind. Faith believes when nobody else does. Faith believes when even though you can't see how, faith believes that, that God is going to get you past this no matter what it is. Faith doesn't make sense. Faith is just faith. See, see, faith believes when, when the mountain in front of you seems too high and there's no way you'll get over it. Faith believes when the valley seems so wide, there's no way you can get past it. Faith believes when your storm is so bad, you believe there's no way you're going to survive it. Faith believes when the trial and everything going on, when the battle seems too strong, faith just believes because it puts all of its trust in God. Because faith understands that nothing is impossible for my God. No matter what I see, no matter what I'm facing, no matter how bad, how dark, how gloomy, how the world sees, no matter how bad it is, faith says nothing is impossible for my God. Corey Tinboom 
She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. See, it doesn't matter if you know what tomorrow holds, as long as you know who holds tomorrow. We, we, we have a known God. So last week we worked on step one. We looked to confess some things, get some things cleaned up, ask God to forgive us of anything as we repent, turn away from evil, turn away from any wickedness in our life. This week, step two, if we want to be the person that is found after God's own heart, then we're going to have to ask God to help us. Forgive us of all of our mistakes and bring us into a place of restoration. But Father, we need you to help us love others the way Christ loves us. We need, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Tim, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? I knew on the list that it said y'all were going to sing every praise. And when these guys was up here worshiping their hearts out and it was moved, I started praying, Lord, that you are worthy to be praised of all praise. But that song don't fit here. Can you change it? I didn't say a word to you. But the Holy Spirit put the same thing in both of us. It's time for a different song. And the song is open the eyes of my heart. Because we're facing to listen to a message. How can I be? A man after God's own heart. Number one, God, you got to open the eyes of my heart. you got to let me see my wickedness, see my failure, see me for what I am. And when I see myself for who I truly am, then I can see God for who he truly is. When I see how wicked I truly am, then I see how merciful God truly is. When I see how much I don't deserve, I see how much grace God truly has. So, so open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Help us to see. So last week we, we sought forgiveness. This week, Lord, help us to love others. The way Christ loves us. And Lord, give me a giant killing faith. Some of you are facing some things right now that you need. Some of you are facing some things in your lives right now that I'm praying with you with. And you know what they are, but you need faith. You, you, you need faith to know that God can get you through the impossible. That God can get you over the mountain. There is no such thing as too high, too wide, too strong, or too long. God is able to get you there. God, increase our faith. I want to ask you guys, if you would, to just stand. You stand, you stand where you are. You, you're welcome to come pray. You know, sometimes we, we try to get too far ahead. You know what I'm talking about? We, like we, want, we want to fix everything now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We, we, we want God to, to give us enough now to take care of everything from now on. We, we want the whole picture fixed. We don't want just enough for today. We, we don't want God just enough of God's grace and God's mercy and God's abundance and God's faith. We don't want just enough for today. We want it to last from now on. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Max Licato said, God meets daily needs daily. Not weekly, not annually. He will give you what you need when it is needed. I want to ask you guys, if you would, you just bow your head. You're welcome to come to the altar and pray. Pray where you are. I want to ask you, if you would, if we could just, just bow your heads for a minute. Last week, as we looked at confession and, and forgiveness, this week, we want to seek love. We, we want the Father to help us to love people. Can, can, we just, can we just pray and ask him this morning? Can, can, I just, can I just pose something to you real quick right here? This prayer is as dangerous as last week's prayer. 
Last week we said, Father, search me and see if there be any wicked way in me. That's a dangerous prayer. Because God will honor that and show it to you. The, the song talk, talked about search me. That, that, that's a dangerous song. Try me in the fire. Put me in the fire. I, I want to burn for you. The, the, those are dangerous prayers. When, when we pray this prayer, this is another dangerous prayer. Father, increase my faith. Because I've told you many times, if you want your faith to be stronger than it is, you've got to go through something harder than you've been through. Our faith is only as strong as the hardest thing God has ever delivered us through. Our faith can't be any bigger than what we've seen God do. So if you want your faith to be bigger, you're going to have to go through something harder. You're going to have to see God do something more impossible than the last time you saw God do. So I'm telling you, it can be a dangerous prayer if you want your faith to increase. But we need to pray. If we want to be a man after God's own heart, God, give, give me a faith that will rise above doubt. Give me a faith that will rise above fear. Give me a faith that will rise above temptation. Help me, God, to just be pleasing to you. You know, sometimes when we don't get what we want the way we want it, we become discouraged. We, we think either God's not going to answer our prayer or he's taking too long to answer our prayer. We're, we're not getting what we want when we want it. So, so because we don't see it, we become discouraged because we think our answer isn't coming like we want it. Charles Stanley said disappointment is inevitable. But to become discouraged, that's a choice I make. God would never discourage me. He would always point me to himself to trust him. Therefore, my discouragement is from Satan. As you go through the emotions that we have, hostility is not from God. Bitterness is not from God. Unforgiveness is not from God. All of these are attacks from Satan. Father, help me to rise above the enemy. Help me to have faith, God. Cleanse me. Help me to love. Increase my faith. Go ahead and sing, guys. Ashamed of what I've done, what I've become. These hands are dirty. I dare not lift them up to the Holy One. You plead my cause. You.
I know there's some children's workers over there that are thinking, what is he doing up there? But even those children's workers would be disappointed if I didn't offer an opportunity for salvation. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just for a minute. I sure don't want God disappointed. I never know when there could be one person in this place who's never trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And to die in this life without Christ as our Savior, Lord, and Redeemer is to go to hell last thing I want to do is not offer an opportunity to know the difference. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Bible says there must be a confession with the mouth. Therefore, we are to confess our sins before God. Say, Father, I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you to come into my heart and cleanse me of my sin and save my soul. It's not a confession of the lips. It's a position of the heart. Give your heart and life to Christ.